0: Welcome to Imagine Talks' podcast, Achieving Success, Social Impact, and Overcoming Obstacles. I am Frances Kahn.
1: And I'm Tammy Tran. For today's episode, we will be introducing Jill Chang, best-selling author of Quiet is a Superpower. Jill has 15 years of international experience in diverse industries, including sports, state government, and nonprofits. She oversees a team spread across 23 countries. She has delivered over 200 public speeches in the past two years alone. She is described as not needing a script and the Wonder Woman who makes things happen barehanded.
2: And I'm Steven Chan. A bit more on Jill. She entered the sports industry as a professional sports agent at the age of 26 and successfully signed five major league contracts for her clients within 18 months. When she worked for the US state government, she was in charge of procuring and trading projects between the United States and Asia. She is now devoted to international philanthropy.
1: I'm Michelle Sahai. Jill is known as a complete introvert who likes to get lost in books. She is based in Taipei, Taiwan with her family and Jill regularly travels across the world to make a global impact in both philanthropy and in helping introverts in their career and leadership development. Now, without delay, let's welcome Jill Chang.
3: Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Hi, Jill. Thank you for joining us. Um, Our first question for you is, um, because you wrote your book, Quiet is a Superpower, can you define for us what introversion is?
3: Yes, absolutely. So if you Google um, introversion and definition, you will see things like the tendency to be more concerned with one's inner thoughts and feelings rather than the external world, it seems very vague. So technically, I would say if you charge from being alone, that means you're more introverted. And if you charge yourself by uh, interacting with the outside world, like interacting with people, you would go to uh, concerts or clubs, that means you are more extroverted. That's how I define introversion.
1: Great, I love it. I love how you're just talking about energy and um, how that relates to introversion and extroversion. Please.
2: Thank you so much, Jill, for that. You know, you've written about this topic in Quiet is a Superpower. What have you learned about yourself from writing about introversion?
3: I grew up being the quietest one in the group and everyone said I was introverted. So I thought that was it. But as I read more and get to know about introverts, I found there are talkative introverts, there are loud introverts, there are showy introverts. So then I started to take the text off from me instead of saying, hey, that's just who I am and I, I that's what introverts do. I started to, yeah, maybe I can do that too because that person is an introvert too and she did that so maybe I can try too. Um, my horizon definitely expanded a lot from uh, writing the book and also from the feedback of the readers. I'm, I consider myself super lucky because the book became an international bestseller. So I have the chance to receive feedback from numerous readers across the world and um, fellow authors, coaches and consultants from various countries. I would never imagine that I would know so many introverts and learn from them. Um, in so many amazing ways. Uh, so I, I think writing, the writing the book is like the start of the journey and this amazing journey still continues just like what I'm, uh, just like I'm here today, I'm talking to you and hopefully I'll get some feedback from your audience too. That's all very amazing parts of the journey and it's still going on. So I'm super happy about that.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, so many people have learned from you. You truly have given a voice to this topic of introversion. So thank you, Jill. Tammy?
1: Yeah, thank you, um, Jill. I love that. I I love the fact that you've been to many different countries. You were able to meet many different types of introverts. That leads me to my next question of can you list the top three most common negative stereotypes about introverts and how would you change them into strengths?
3: Yeah, so I think there are definitely a lot of stereotypes about introverts, some are positive and some are negative. I think the three most common negative uh, stereotypes are one, introverts are lone wolves. They don't like um, working with others. They are not good team players. Mm-hmm. And the second is that introverts are less ambitious, less aggressive, and less motivated. And the third one may be introverts are slow. They don't have much to say, especially in the workplace. So regarding to all these three stereotypes, well, I'm, I'm saying they are stereotypes because not all of them are true. And there are ways for introverts to, turn them into our strength or to work with these qualities to be our strength. So for example, um, people think that introverts are not good players. It's not actually not true uh, because as far as I know introverts, they value people around them. They care less about themselves. They don't like to be the center of attention. So they are actually very amazing team players. They will put the team goals in front of, above themselves and above everything else. So when you work with introverts, you will find that whatever assignment is given to them, they will complete it um, in the deadline, like by, by the time you want them to. And they will show that they have the quality and have the competence of completing that task. So instead of maybe they're quieter, maybe they don't talk much in the group, but they get things done. So that's the first strand uh, mm-hmm. of introverts. And the second stereotype that introverts are less ambitious, less aggressive, or less motivated. I think it's more about the allocation of our energies and prioritizing. So I would always, Um, describe introverts in energy, like a laser light. It's not like sunshine that would scatter all around. It's very focused. So our energy is very valuable. And with that very focused and valuable energy, we cannot do a lot of things at the same time simultaneously. For example, I cannot take 50 online classes simultaneously, but for the three classes, classes that I take, I do it very well. So um, people would think that, ah, oh, they are taking 30, 50, 30, 40, 50 classes and you're only taking three, so you're less ambitious. But it, that's not true because I know what I want and I know my priorities. So I focus all my efforts in and energies on those three classes. And that's part of my strategy because I, I know what I'm good at and I know um, that's what I want. And for the third stereotype that uh, introverts are slower and we don't have much to say, I, I realized that in the workplace, especially in the st- situations like uh, meetings, especially brainstorming meetings, because introverts tend to think things through before it or expressing it um, and or even doing it so it takes more time for us to think of a perfect solution before we say it whereas extroverts are more comfortable of throwing the half-baked thoughts around and start the conversation then that's why people would think introverts are slower in responding or they don't have much thoughts but actually it's the opposite because there's too much on our head that we need to sort things out before really seeing it. So my strategy is to um, is actually two steps. Take meetings, for example. I would prepare in advance before the meeting. I would get to get the agenda of the meeting. I will know who else will be on the meeting and my what my roles are. So that I would get myself fully prepared before going into that meeting room. And since during the meeting, there's not much I can do because I'm slower. Um, So I would take advantage of the section that's following up after the meeting. For example, I would prepare uh, meeting notes. I will even create a spreadsheet of follow-up items just so that people know that I actually care and I am very proactive in following Up all those things that was discussed in the meeting instead of um, sitting there and doing nothing because that's not what I am. I was there sitting and thinking. I wasn't there sitting and doing nothing. So yeah, so these are the three common negative stereotypes and my ways of working with these characteristics.
1: I love it. I, I absolutely love it. I mean, I'm an introvert myself, I believe. All of us are um, in this podcast, (laughs) but I I struggle with being alone, being called a lone wolf, being less ambitious and also being slow in my thinking too. So I love the fact that you are advising us how to change those into strengths. And I've definitely learned a lot um, from you just speaking about these um, common negative stereotypes. So thank you very much.
2: Yeah. And, you know, all of us on this panel have straddle multiple cultures uh, 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 our co-hosts, um, yourself, you your leading teams around the world. You know, as someone who has had a lot of international experience working with global teams, do you think that certain countries could be categorized as having introverted cultures and others as extroverted cultures?
3: Yes, I definitely think so. Um, I actually did a research on this, but there's not much that can be found. Um, From the book Introvert Power, the author Laurie Hogel categorized some countries such as Iceland, Norway, Denmark, and Finland as the ones with introverted culture, and some countries like US, like Brazil, are with extroverted culture. My experiences are mainly in the US and across Asia. And from my own experience, I probably say some country in Eastern Asia, like Japan, Korea, and China that are more introverted than others.
2: Yeah, and you know, I, I would say that it's interesting how every place has a way of communicating. Um, and a lot of the difficulty I imagine that introverts may have is learning how to communicate with those who are not introverts um, because mm-hmm. it may not come as naturally. Um, so as also an introvert myself, I've also had to learn how to to work with others uh, who have different ways of communication. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so definitely appreciate you providing that insight uh, on how different countries uh, have different and different cultures uh, express themselves, certainly. Uh, Tammy.
1: Thank you, Keith. Um Jill thank you for uh, telling us more about introverted cultures and extroverted cultures which countries are more likely to be extroverted as opposed to introverted um, can you give us some tips since you've worked in these different cultri- countries um, can you give some what are some tips you can give people from introverted cultures who are working with people from extroverted cultures and vice versa
3: yeah, thank you. So I wanted to uh, step back a little bit and explain what extroverted culture looks like and versus how introverted culture look like, because uh, I realized that not all of us has um, a lot of international experience. And I think that would be beneficial for uh, all of us to learn from people on the uh, different side of the spectrum. So I think in extroverted cultures, they um, they encourage people to be more aggressive, to be more outspoken and expressive. Whereas in introverted cultures, value more on solitary reflection and listening. I actually have a very interesting observation from TV commercials. So for, for instance, when the company trying to sell drinks to the general public, the US companies would emphasize more on the activeness um, whether it's giving an amazing presentation after having the drink or perform excellency in sports, even a soccer mom drives the kids around with a big smile on her face. That's how um, uh, an extroverted culture is trying to sell the drink to the general public, to the customers. Whereas in Asia, especially in Eastern Asia, even if it's a drink that's very high in caffeine, the commercial are so much quieter. You will see a person that's reflecting, enjoy the breeze, and even meditate in the commercial and it shows that oh, the strings can help you to be more um, have more power from within. So that's very that, that's very different. And for people who are working with or who are um, even managing. Uh, the people from a different side of the spectrum, I would say being flexible and respectful um, is the most important. So instead of jumping to conclusions, try to understand more by asking, why did you do that? Or, oh, that's very interesting. How can I better assist you in doing that? So take myself, for example, I'm super lucky to work in a global team where my introversion is respected. People wouldn't force me to talk during the meeting, during the meetings. But I've also learned a way to express myself with online documents and with meeting notes and with a lot of uh, different ways in written, uh, in written, written forms. So personally, I like to think, think through before saying it. But I'm learning to throw half-baked thoughts as well. So that's how me, a person from an introverted culture working in an extroverted culture. And vice versa, if you're from a more extroverted culture and trying to work with a team that's more introverted or come from a more introverted culture, I think it's always helpful to slow down and listen. And one of my um, best, call uh, best, uh, Introvert author colleagues, Jennifer Kahnweiler made it very specific in her book, saying that if you're an extroverted manager and you're managing an introverted team, count to five before you say anything or before you interrupt. And that's very practical. And, but that's the, the guidelines for, for all the extroverts um, to work with introverts, that's to be more uh, slower and to give your team members more flexibility and more space. And also you will probably need more patience when hearing, um, when waiting for their answers and hearing the best from them. Because as soon as you give them time and give them the space, um, I, it's almost guaranteed they will give you a much more better answer than um, just to force them to respond immediately. I love it.
1: Absolutely. When you told us about the different commercials from extroverted to introverted cultures, it triggered like a memory for me because I was in Japan for a few months. And I see the stark difference between the different advertisements. Like you said, it's a lot calmer and quieter than the US. So I, I completely get that. And I love the tips that you are giving um, extroverted cultures on how to interact with introverted cultures, that five minutes, uh, five seconds, sorry, of breathing time is just, it's so helpful instead of having somebody keep um, asking you and bombarding you with questions that you're not prepared for, especially as an introvert. Um, So love that. And I love the, um, how introverts can, Uh, interact in the extroverted culture, although I'm very interested in how you are kind of dealing with um, throwing half-baked questions, because I know that's hard. Like, as, as, like, deep thinkers, I, myself, like, I have a bunch of questions, and it's hard for me to sort things out, like, in the moment. So, for you to be able to throw half-baked questions, like, I admire that, because that's something that I'm struggling with to do.
2: Yeah, and you know, one of the things that I, I know we've enjoyed is just how you've been able to spell out a lot of the facts about the differences between introvert and extrovert culture, um, but also weaving in a lot of your own personal stories too. You've spoken about how you've had to face, um, you know, not so not uh, maybe irate and angry uh, staff members or, or teammates. Um, also, the, uh, your stories about how. Um, you know, facing uh, crowds can be draining too. Uh, so you've talked a lot about fa- the facts and the figures, right? But what has your own personal experience? Your any any stories that come to mind? Um, the experience has 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 it been for you to come from an introverted culture into an extroverted culture? What has your experience been like for that?
3: Yeah, so it's like these two different cultures are, they're very different. That's all I can say. So my um, favorite culture shock actually happened when I was 22 years old, when I first came to the U.S. from Taiwan uh, to have my um, education in graduate school. And, you know, uh, in Taiwan, uh, in school, it's always lecture. Like we're just sitting there in the classroom, listening, listening to what the teachers say. We try to memorize everything the teacher teaches us. And then we try to perform the best during tests. And that was it. But when I went to the US for graduate school, things are totally different. Um, we were asked to do uh, group presentations. Every class, it's group discussions. So the first thing we need to do is grouping. I didn't know how to do that because I didn't have any friends there. <laughs> that was terrifying. And um, even with our homework, like assignments, we need to do like critical thinking. And I was like, how can I criticize the others? Because it's all—it's more about communication rather than criticizing. So it's not just not, not um, what I've been trained uh, to do. So it's, it's a huge culture shock for me. And I started to realize, oh, maybe that's how this US education system is um, um, helping the students to think and to learn. So I, re- I still remember for my first week, I talked to my professor and I said, I cannot do this because this is what, not what I learned. This is not my way. And the professor was so nice. She's very open-minded. She understand where I came from, and she understand. She listened to my story and understand how my training was like. So she said, "Okay, so now you you're trained like this, but this is the graduate school. You need you need to be like this. And from here to there, I'm here to help you. So no pressure. And I understand this is your second language. You're you're not a native speaker. So." You need to overcome the language barrier. You also need to come the the other barriers, including like grouping or <laughs> including like a, academic challenges. So I'm here to support you. Whatever you need, you just come to me, and I'm we can work on this together. So that's actually my first um, my first experience of having two very different culture, but I need to adjust myself very quick to adapt to a different culture and to the different, a totally different system. So um, I was very lucky to have the professor uh, helping me with that. But in the workplace, it's definitely not the case because in the workplace, you're pretty much on your own and um, nobody's there to really uh, support you in in a way. Um, you're You're pretty much need to demonstrate who you are and what you're good at in a very short time, but that's, I, I, I think I am very lucky because with that um, experience in America's graduate school and with the assistance from a lot of the professors that I um, learned from, it's a good, it lays a very good foundation for me to understand the difference of two different cultures. And um, going from there, I, I think I, I probably learned it in a hard way, but I think I'm getting there. <laughs>
2: Well, there's just so much to unpack uh, the differences in cultures that you yourself have, to, have had to face. Uh, so certainly appreciate the struggles and, the, and how you've overcome those barriers too. Uh, Tammy.
1: Yeah, and um, to, to add to that, like I'm glad your uh, instructor was very understanding about your situation. And from your experience, do you think there are different perceptions of introversion and extroversion across cultures? For example, in Taiwan and the United States?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, yes, yes. And for example, in Taiwan, uh, we are, when growing up, I was told, always told to be, to listen more than talk and to be more attentive to others' feelings and thoughts. Whereas in the U.S., I was always encouraged to speak up, to stand up and you know, express yourself. No matter what, what ideas you have, you're always right as long as you speak it. So I, I think those are very different settings. And actually in the workplace, the workplace in Taiwan are very westernized because we have, it's Taiwan is a very small island and we, we need to, Uh, do business with the world. So we have a lot of international partners, business partners. So as we are uh, working with our international partners, we learned the way, learned how to work with them. So it's becoming more and more westernized in the workplace. But you you see from my story, there's a gap between school and workplace because in school, we are always told to be be listened. But now in the workplace, uh, we are always, Encouraged to do a presentation, to you know, to to do those negotiations, and without any help. So that that's a huge gap. That's a huge gap. But I I think the way we see introversion is still a little bit different from how extroverted cultures see introverts. For example, in Taiwan, if you don't talk much, but you deliver excellent performance. People would think, yeah, that person is excellent. But in the U.S., like how you express yourself and how you present yourself, it's part of the performance, right? So it's it's a little bit different. Like uh, I I feel it's um like in the U.S. the ratio of how you present yourself is higher than um in other introverted cultures. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I, I can totally see agree. The difference. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I completely agree with you. As as a introvert who was born in America, but also as an Asian, I've had both sides since I was little. Being told, when at least in your own personal family setting, you need to listen, you need to be quiet, you need to follow the rules, don't talk back to me, stuff like that. And like you need to show, like like your results are what shows me you're a good person, and then in at school it's it's different you're like told to say what you think same thing in the workplace like you've been saying like how you well what you say is really how people see you it's not all about like your action your work or your um your results it's both and i agree with you the ratio between results and like how you present yourself is starkly different so I, I love that you pointed that out because it made me think a lot more about that and how I am as an introvert right now. So thank you, Jill. Steve.
2: Well, also my I myself really appreciate the message that you have that uh, introversion can be a superpower. And you know, I was wondering what kind of advice you'd have for our audience, our listeners. Uh, what kind of advice would you have for introverts? Um, We'll we'll talk about COVID-19, the -hmm. COVID-19 pandemic and how it's uh, affected introverts, maybe positively or negatively. And then Tammy will follow up with another question about the post COVID world. So let's let's talk about the COVID-19 pandemic. What advice uh, do you have for introverts um, during this pandemic time?
3: Mm, yeah, actually, I've been way before COVID. I've been working remotely. Uh, it's been six years for now. And I am super comfortable with it because I just don't like the uh, politics and everything in the office. And I found that's a perfect way for me. But I also recognize there are introverts that are struggle uh, with the lifestyle and with um, a remote working setting. I one of the most common challenge that I found uh, from introverts in the covid era is um, zoom fatigue because there are way too many zoom calls and um, interactions are draining for introverts online intro online interactions included so that means if you have like six a zoom calls your day is done you, you basically cannot do anything else, right? But that's how things are during COVID. So I would say um, for introverts, I would uh, the, the most important advice I guess I can share is to block your calendar for yourself. For example, I would block like two hours in, in the afternoon for myself because my, I'm working with the US so my mornings are super packed. But in the afternoon, I will uh, try to block two two hours for myself before Asia wakes up and started working. So I I make sure that I have two hours to take care of my own things, to get my planning and to get my things done before I interact with the others. And and I found that's very helpful for me to um, conserve my energy and to allocate my energy. Um, So yeah. (laughs) Black your
1: calendar. That is very helpful advice, Jill. Um, I will take that as uh, (laughs) into consideration for my schedule because I get it. I have Zoom fatigue. I am also like doing school, too. So it's like all day work and then school. It's just it's a lot. So I really need to take your advice to block two hours off on my calendar for myself. Um, As Steve mentioned. I do want to ask you about post covid uh what your what would be your advice for post covid world do you have any advice for setting boundaries in the workplace or in one's personal personal life
3: yes absolutely and actually a lot an increasing number of readers are asking this because I noticed that some of the companies are asking their employees, whether they want to go back to the office or uh, stay remote working um, forever. So people are asking me, hey, how how do I choose? Or how do I uh, have a strategy for that? How do I decide? So I would recommend um, the audience to start considering three aspects. One is your mental health. Like, am I lonely when I'm working from home? Do I get distracted easily at home? And can I have work-life balance working remotely? This uh, mental health I think is the most important thing. And then the second aspect is the job performance. Do I miss the in-person chats in the office? How do I communicate? Do I communicate well in the remote setting or will my colleagues forget about me? So job performance is the second thing you can think of. And the third is a more long-term career de- development, such as can I get a promotion in a remote working setting or can I become a manager and manage my team virtually? So I think mental health, job performances and career development, these threes are the things that you can consider when um, thinking about like whether to stay at home or to go back to office. Of course, there's a lot um, variance for, for different people, but I, I think still having that work-life balance and mental keeping your mental health um, in a good condition is the most critical part of making that decision.
1: I agree. I, I completely agree with you. These are great advice. I will take them too. Um, <laughs> so, Steve.
2: Yeah, and I think what we'll do is we'll actually. Um, I know we're in the final stages of our po- uh, podcast episode. And we're thrilled that you're here with us. Uh, we uh, we have a final question. I think uh, Michelle or was it Fra- Francis?
0: Thank you for letting me ask this, uh, this final question. This is something that's popped in my head as I was listening to all your amazing answers and. And you talked about mental health being so important. And Tammy brought out, and Tammy both Steve brought out about this current world of COVID and post-COVID. Um, I have a question I really love to get your point of view on. Um, part of this whole post-COVID world, current COVID and post-COVID world, uh, a lot of things are brought in. One of them, the topic I want to talk about to you is, is racism, which has been very brought out into the public um, and internationally, probably more than we have seen in the last 50 years. Uh, it's a two-part question. One is how do you, in your opinion, in your professional experience, how do introverts deal with this type of race, racial, mental stress that the whole nation and also the world is facing at this point? Um, how do extroverts deal with this? And what are what is the way that we could work together as introverts and extroverts to try to alleviate, address, and hopefully fix these issues that's been going on? for like literally hundreds and hundreds of years.
3: Mm-hmm. Thank you, Francis. I, I think this, thank you so much for bringing this up. Um, I think the way introverts deal with mental stress is a little bit from extroverts, because as I said, introverts take everything inside. The whole world happened on our mind. So uh, when you talk to introverts, you probably may not recognize this person is under a high pressure because they just don't show. Whereas extroverts, they're very different. They're very expressive. So maybe their stress level is like two, but they will make it like 10. So it's very, it's very different. And um, for introverts, I, I always encourage introverts to express some in some way. You don't need to talk to people. You don't need to speak very loudly, but you can, for example, write. You can write a diary. You can um, interact with people online or join a forum, you know, those are the ways for you to express self and let yourself, let your thoughts out some way because you, you need it uh, eventually. But I, I totally um, recognize that introverts and extroverts, they do it different, totally different in different ways. And I think that's totally fine. The most important thing is that first to find a way to, um, Take care of your mental health and manage your stress level. Never, never wait until you're about to explode because that's already too late. So be very cautious and be very uh, attentive to your own uh, mental status. That's the one thing. And the other thing I think is to, like you said, is how to support each other. I, I think that's a, that's a very great question. I. For introverts, um, the kind of support that we're seeking is more on the spiritual level. Um, we don't need people to be there, pat your back, and say, hey, you'll be fine. We don't, that that works, that helps, but it's not, at, not that helpful, I would say. But the, the most helpful way, I would say, just be there and show that you care about them, you listen to them, make no judgment, and you just be there with them. I think that's most important. A lot of the introverts, um, they they wrote to me or they call me because they want somebody to listen, but not somebody who gave, really give them or give them advice or share any experience. They, they just want someone to listen. So I think, um, especially under a such a national or global stress. I think it's very important to support each other just by being there and being listening and being open-minded to embrace each other in this difficult situation and and show that there's someone there for them to get through this. I I think that's the, that that sounds very simple, but I, I do think that's one of the most critical ways of um, helping introverts to get through this stress.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much, Jill.
3: Thank you.
2: Well, um, you know, I know this is the end of our time together. I wanted to just say thank you so, so much uh, for joining us, uh, Jill, and thank you for being with us.
3: Thank you so much for having me. Such a great pleasure.
2: And to our audience, thank you for joining us this episode with Jill Chang. Jill's book, Quiet is a Superpower, is available in bookstores as well as Amazon Kindle. You can also find her on the web, LinkedIn, and also Instagram. In Jill Chang, that's I N J I L L C H A N G. To learn more about Imagine Talks, go to www.imagineTalks.org. Edge interns and mental power hacks supports this podcast. Edge Interns sources the best interns to the best companies. Learn more at E-D-G-E, that's edgeinterns.com. And Mental Power Hacks is where you'll get life hacks to boost your mental performance, productivity, and success. Connect at mentalpowerhacks.com. Subscribe and get the latest episodes of the Imagine Talks podcast, Achieving Success, Social Impact, and Overcoming Obstacles. See you next episode.